All right. Well, here we are again. Uh, the Golden Hour Podcast, the original Golden Hour Podcast, mind you, with Eric Floberg. Hi. Gene. Hey. And Steven. What's up? <laughs> so, yes, we are actually in person right now for the Golden Hour Podcast because Eric is in town in Nashville. Um, and you guys can't hear this right now, but the We Shop channel music is playing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'll I'll fade that up <laughs> but no i i just love that as an intro you it's know? very fun i was ready to like freestyle rap to it. such a great intro um so for those of you who don't know uh which i don't think many of you don't but eric floberg is an amazing filmmaker and this is the first time we've met yeah in fact we haven't had much time to really even like get to know each other just kind of sat down and started shooting uh, in your hotel room yeah. in Brentwood, Tennessee. Luxurious Brentwood. Um, we were trying to set up a podcast uh, for a couple months, honestly. And like, I got sick and family and just life happened. And last week I was like, hey, are you down to like do it, you know, do a show? And then you mentioned you're going to be in town in Nashville. I was like, what are the odds? Let's do it. So we're doing it in person at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, we are. What time did you guys wake up? A couple dads. Six. Early. 5.30. <laughs> You guys are wild, <laughs> but uh, we're coming hot off the heels of my Twitter uh, post about <laughs> Sony cameras not being sexy. It's been a rough day for you. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys agree with me? Are Sony think, cameras sexy? I mean, I don't know if I want to objectify cameras, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, I agree with you. I also agree with you. Yeah. I shouldn't be allowed to talk about this right now. <laughs> I'm too tired. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's interesting how uh, people got lit, you know, in, in the in my comment. I was just stating a fact. Uh, oh wow! It's. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was going to be the one to bring this up in this podcast, but you're just coming in hot. You're just like, <laughs> I need to tell the world that Sony's are ugly. I here's the thing. Like, I think uh, most cameras that are workhorses are not actually that attractive. Just like. A Honda Odyssey, which is a car I drive, same is not attractive, same, but it is wildly efficient. Yeah, as a dad, yep. And not not only that, for production, it's great. It's um, a tall truck. Yes, and we it's rented covered. one for the documentary. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? On. <laughs> is for, this a, a thing you guys talk about? Joe's Marathon. We rented a minivan. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm talking to some guys here who know very much about what I'm talking about. In fact. It was very refreshing to come in here and see a lot of beautiful cameras. <laughs> um, Gene, you have a Leica M6. I do. You've got a, a Mamiya thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's that called? A Mamiya 7. Yeah. I mean, these are like totally factually beautiful cameras. Um, we're shooting out a C70, which is... Eh, it looks like a 1DC that was like squished down. With you a, really with love a, that 1DC, don't you? I do, yeah. <laughs> I do. Did you ever use the one DC? No, you never had the. You just can't let love. it go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah, I can't let it go because I'm. <laughs> you can hear everything right now, can't you? <laughs> it's awesome. a little gear guy. <clears throat> now you know the thing for me with the one DC. It was a camera that came out in 2012. It was fifteen thousand dollars. So unobtainable. What? Was and it really? Yes. No way. Yes. Hey, wait. What grand. year? 2012. Okay, it makes sense, I guess. It was the first camera 
It was the first hybrid camera ever to shoot 4K. Yeah. So this was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, before the GH4, you know, existed. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Philip Bloom had one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. As he does. <laughs> and he made a video, and he basically said, this is the 5D that we always wanted. And yeah. this was during the 5D Mark II era. That was the height of the HTSLR revolution. Yeah. It was right when the C300 came out, the original C300, um, and the Red Scarlet. Uh, all that stuff back in 2012. You're saying a lot of words right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the truth. So I think it was just something that like, because I was a young filmmaker at the time and I was shooting on a 7D, the original yep. 7D, and uh, it was just so unobtainable. It was like 15 grand was just wildly out of any even imagination that I could ever own. Yeah. And then those cameras just plummeted in price over the years. I ended up getting one for $1,500. Nice. <laughs> and so um, once I got it, it was kind of like, you know, th- you meet guys all the time who are like, you know, this car is the car I always wanted when I was a little boy and now I'm able to afford it. And, you know, it's like that. It's like, you know, it's a camera I always wanted. I but it's probably not like, I don't know. It's probably not attractive to other people, but it's attractive to me. Mm. In all seriousness, I think Canon, uh, Nikon even tried it recently. They did like a retrofied kind of Nikon camera. Um, Sony, especially Sony, I feel like they should try to like make just a niche, like just a niche camera that they won't sell many of. You suck. <laughs> I'm going to assume there's another no, sound effect no, we can't hear. We no, he just they just fight. They just fight. No, they just touched that You, button, you yeah. suck. We paused it right when you said that, and they thought that's where the video ended. <laughs> it was just like you suck. That yeah. was the weird, weirdest way to end that video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, <laughs> Eric Floberg, everyone. <laughs> this is great. This is what the best podcast. Intro. Wow. <laughs> So you guys have a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Rally caps, yeah. yeah rally caps. We haven't That's posted awesome. on it in half a year. But. <laughs> Does this inspire you guys to get back in the game? Yeah. I love podcasts. Yeah, we, no, it's really fun. We're yeah. talking about we it. We were planning on it. We yeah, are. We just got a new studio there, actually uh, um, today. Oh, we signed the lease. Wow. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. new studio. Yeah, yeah we. Uh, so we've been in the same building for about five years. The crew of us uh, at Creative Club Chicago. And uh, is that your company, Creative Club? No, it's uh, just a collective of people who we've all co worked together for five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene and I are part of the core for people that started it. Stephen nice. jumped in last year uh, as a, an owner to be the fifth. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so we, we had like a 900 square foot space for three and a half years. And then uh, a year and a half ago, we got uh, we doubled the space, moved up two floors. Now we have an 1800 square foot uh, unit and has multiple rooms but we just have been growing at such an exponential rate all of us um, that the three of us actually just uh got a new 800 square foot studio one floor above directly floor above oh wow so that's gonna be a place where we house a bunch of gear where we get rally caps going again um and then we we were just like having a huge discussion at lunch today just potentially starting a new business altogether to fund wow. all of our commercial work and all that stuff so where'd you eat lunch at uh what was it mojo 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 yeah yeah i've heard of that have you guys been to cracker barrel before yeah yeah you guys have them in chicago right i think they're all over the country (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what there's a lot we didn't have them in california really oh okay a lot in upstate new york really yeah nice well they uh, cracker barrel was founded here in lebanon tennessee okay my wife went to high school with like the granddaughter of the creator okay she's from that area so like yeah. it's a very tennessee place gotcha so. 
It's like a hundred year old restaurant. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's great though. It's super super fun. Yeah, I think I, a lot of. I always go there go with go my. There. Yeah, I go there with my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. And but I will say the kids love it because there's so many things to look at and it's oh. great for I Spy. So. That's why nice. I love it so much. Put that in my back pocket. <laughs> there's like a there's like a whole toy area over there yeah. too. So. Um. That's definitely not like the best cuisine in Nashville though. <laughs> like. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh, you guys are visiting Nashville? You should go to Cracker Barrel. Nice. <laughs> and then number two is Waffle House, for sure. Oh, people talk about Waffle House. Waffle House is awesome. It was, club. yeah, when, when I was, you know, like 19, 20 years old, that was like, that was a thing to do. Like, right now, we would be doing this podcast at Waffle House yep. if it was 10 years ago. Makes sense. But now let's it's just, uproot and let's go. Yeah, let's go. Right now. <laughs> let's go after this. Because they're open all night. So, it was the 2 a.m. place. Mm. Um, so... Anyway, so tell me, like, what's your, like, work situation here? Because you guys are here shooting a documentary, yeah. which is not... Is it sort of related to your channel? Like, tell me just what the three of you guys do together in relation to what people may see on the internet and then yeah. beyond uh, that. So, I mean, I've I've been growing my own personal brand and business for, you know, five, six years now. I started YouTube in 2018. And just uh, started kind of in the wedding world, photo, video, content, education, mm-hmm. and uh, working side by side with Gene for, you know, four or five years. But uh, Steven kind of cold DM'd me in 2018, was it? Slid into those DMs. Yep. Oh, man, am I good at that? Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I was nice. shooting a wedding up in... Uh, Pre-COVID. Yeah. I was yeah. shooting a, a wedding up in um, New York. Those, New York. Yeah. those were the days. That's where he's from. And, uh, nice. Where where at uh, in uh, upstate? So I grew up in Albany, New York. Okay. Yeah, or like cool. a little outside of it. But yeah, that's that was my hometown. And I noticed that Eric was going to be uh, about 45 minutes north of Albany. And nice. I was shooting a wedding there the same weekend. So I was like, he, he put out a message like, hey, if anyone's around for these dates, you know, hit me up. I was like, hey, I am around for those dates. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll hit you up. And uh, we got a, a coffee together in Albany. Um, I met him and his wife, Sabria. Got coffee for like an hour and a half. Had a wonderful time. And, uh, now I moved to Chicago. Wow. Because of that. So, yeah. No pressure. Yeah. So I'm really into running and marathoning. And uh, I ran New York City Marathon last year. And through a funny coincidence of mutual friends... Um, friends over at moment niles and caleb mm-hmm. um they started a goofy podcast called dad strides yep. which i was listening to for a while they're just hysterical and so they had both myself and joe on as guests for the podcast so we kind of joe greer yep, yep. just uh, for the listeners yeah that's that's who we're doing the documentary on um, we'll get to that <laughs> but like i just did uh i just tweeted the day before the race just a few people tagging joe in the tweet just like stoked to run alongside you guys in the marathon tomorrow he DM'd me and was like, you going to be at the ferry in the morning? I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I won't have my phone, but just like, let's look out for each other. Great. Mm-hmm. So I'm like looking for his, you know, little beanie <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> I saw him and then we hung out for like two hours pre-race. And that just kind of birthed like a, a relationship where post-race, he had a phenomenal race, met his goal, all that good stuff. And for years... Are you referring I'd, to Joe? Yeah. Okay. I didn't hit my goal. (laughs) But uh, for years, I'd been wanting to do sort of a mini documentary on an athlete or a runner, uh, specifically because I was so into running. And it just felt like opportunity, you know, met uh, serendipity. And we, uh, we just kept chatting through DMs. And I was like, 
you know, what if what if we did like a little mini doc on you next year about, you know, you running the Boston Marathon since you qualified for that now or just your next marathon attempt? And he's like, immediately he's like, yeah, very down for that. And, you know, Joe's a big deal. He's he's really influential in the photo world. And and so I was like, that's, that's just really cool that he is like so into it right away. Um, so we followed up on it and then we just kept building it and building it and dreaming and dreaming and it just got so much bigger than we thought it would be mm. to the point now it's just gonna be a full-length film it's wow. probably gonna be an hour and a half long um so i needed help if it was gonna be that big so obviously i went to my closest friends uh that i work with frequently they weren't available <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> just kidding no the first trip like true. the first trip like all of creative club came down sorry, sorry, sorry. we had like five or six people come down to the first trip yep. Got to meet Joe, like see his life down here, and he lives here in Nashville. Yeah, um, so yeah, then we were just off to the races, no pun intended, um, from that point. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just all year we've you know we've That's been on awesome. like a dozen trips, and it's really really coming together, and just so much more. Prof- the whole documentary is based on him attempting to run under two hours and forty minutes in the marathon, which is a six oh six per mile pace, very fast, um, and so. Yeah, the combination of, of that excitement of that world and filmmaking for me is just incredibly exciting. But uh, Is yeah. his photography a part of that story yeah, too? Yeah, so it, it, it's just so much more profound than that. It's it's a story about family. Uh, he has tons of family trauma growing up. Uh, he was adopted and lost his mother and just like all this crazy, crazy stuff. Wow. Um, so running was a huge outlet for him as a kid and he's um, just kind of rekindled his relationship with running as an adult in his 30s, um, having not done it for about 10 years. So it's it's just really fascinating to have a peek into his life. He's a, honestly a very misunderstood person. Um, a lot of people give him crap online um, mm. for just just really superficial things. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to shed light on his own personal life and like all the stuff he's been through and the reason he is the person he is. So that's it, awesome. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah. What's the title of the film? We do don't have, have one yet. Working title <laughs> right now. It's the Joe Greer, uh, doc doc. Yeah. And, uh, just search Joe Greer on, on YouTube and you'll find all sorts of great Leica videos and, <laughs> and you know, that, yeah, but in the midst of that, like I relaunched the M6. Yes. Um, and so... Did you shoot all that? Yeah. With him? Yeah, so... That was really nice. We, we've been shooting all year with him, so we had all this crazy footage of him, like, shooting street photography in, in New York and How Nashville. long did he have the new M6 for? <laughs> Two weeks. Oh, okay. Not very long. But it was, Did you guys, like, drool over it when he opened it up? It was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, I So I didn't... I had no knowledge of of this camera yeah and leica just posted their video and i think the title of their video was simply leica m6 yeah. <laughs> it was so subtle i was like yeah leica m6 is a good camera why are they yeah okay i click it and then like the voiceover and i see the like german engineers like building it yeah and i'm like wait are they no 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 wow yes yeah. <laughs> and then i immediately saw i guess the the piece that you made yeah. uh did you edit that too yeah, Steven, Steven and I kind of tag teamed. Dude, that. wild, yeah. cool. Yeah, this so, is so cool. Yeah, we yeah. came. We came. I'll down. play it right now. B roll <laughs> in the YouTube video as we're talking. Um, yeah, we came down to Nashville. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I love the Broadway stuff. That was wild. Yeah, we that was really good. I mean, we um, we knew that it would be such a good opportunity for stuff in the future. But I don't know. More than that, it was just. It was obviously so exciting to 
to do that and to have that opportunity but it just felt like a really unfair advantage because mm. we just had so much footage of work off of already for the sure. year so it's just, again opportunity meeting serendipity and just like totally. this incredible um clash of everything we've been working on and it's cool because it's like it's sneaking a bit more of the doc footage and just kind uh. of the quality of what that's going to be like. <clears throat> Is that why the, that Leica, it was actually a Leica ad technically, yep. but was there a lot of doc footage in there in oh, addition yeah. to, Oh yeah. Probably oh, 75% of it. Oh, wow. Because I was like, man, the scope of this ad is wild. Yeah. It's like, like you're going to all these different locations. Yeah. I was like, He's like, he has different length hair. Like, yeah. this is nuts. <laughs> different models, like, different scenarios. How long did they shoot? No, we literally shot all that footage over the course of like six wow. months. Yeah. So amazing. it was, again, very unfair advantage for us to sure. be able to craft that. Um, but we really leaned into that hard and we wanted to make it really profound and cool. So. It was profound and cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thank Great you. job, man. I didn't even know you were behind it. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. We're meeting the filmmakers behind the Leica <laughs> ad. <laughs> um, so recently you posted a video. Uh, that, I mean, video is the wrong term, a film. You posted a short film. Yeah. Um, and it really hit home for me as a dad. Mm. And I think everybody who's watching this should go watch it um, on Eric Floberg's uh, channel. It's called My Father's Son, a short film. Um, there's also a great behind the scenes video as well, uh, that Gene did. And, uh, tell me about my father's son. Yeah. I mean, it ended up being a really profound piece, uh, more than that. This, I mean, it was just more than I really imagined it was going to be because I, you know, I've been on a music bed contract all year. Um, you know, like I'm doing sponsored videos with them all year. I, I love music bed. They're my, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but it's my favorite sponsor on my channel. <laughs> They're just like, they believe it's okay. In- Your other sponsors don't watch this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, they don't listen. They're just, they're just so, they're so I don't so think Storyblocks good. listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. They just really believe in us as creative people and trust that we're going to make cool mm. and profound stuff. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, I I was just planning on doing like two more videos on my contract for the year, just kind of like, yeah, we'll do, you know we'll do some doc stuff. I'll maybe do a talking head style video with a music bed ad read in the middle, and our representatives um, were just like, can we can we just collaborate with you and Gene and do a short film? Like, can you just focus on that? And I'm like. Well, they asked you to do that? Yeah, they're like, wow. what if you two collaborated usually, on something more special? Usually the way it works is creators have to convince I know. the sponsors to do what they actually want to do. But what's crazy is like we've been so overwhelmed and consumed with the documentary that we like a lot of the sponsored content has just unfortunately been kind of like, how do I get a video out this sure. week? And so... Welcome to the world of YouTuber. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's It becomes just a like a a machine you just have to pump stuff out Mm -hmm. and so this gave us the ability to really slow down and we had a beginning concept of me running and including running and chicago in the fall which is this year it's it was gorgeous gorgeous. the the saturation and the the beauty of the leaves and just fall i want to go visit now so i mean i wanted and not every year is like that but we had a ton of rain this year and so i really wanted to take advantage of the gorgeous fall foliage and i'm like I really reflected on more of who I was as a filmmaker. And I'm like, I don't like doing superficial things. So how can I, how can we really make this 
more of an emotive piece like what you know so we just chewed on it for a few days gene and i kept meeting and being like ordering some new ideas and so i had just rebirthed my my running channel it's just a small little side channel i've been working on and because of that i was looking through old hard drives and in 2019 we were going to do a documentary on my marathon attempt that year and because of that i ripped a bunch of old footage from my childhood and so i was reviewing a lot of that footage and then i saw the footage of my dad cheering me on Uh, made me want to cry yeah when i um i was running track in eighth grade and it's this footage of me winning the race and he like lost track of filming me and like went up into the trees and screaming his head off and um like i i don't i have i have a complicated relationship with my father but there are moments like that that I reflect on and I think of in my relationship that are very profound in ways that he did show up in, in ways, you know, that he was an incre- incredible positive impact in my life. And so that's crazy. It's just popping up as I'm talking about it. Yeah. Well, um, just for the listeners who may not have seen it, what is he saying to you in that moment? Um, and the footage, he was just, uh, <laughs> he was, it was crazy. It's like, it's, it's burned into my brain. Um, we sat in his Toyota Corolla, his 1990 Toyota Corolla, before that race because it was a two-day track race mm. uh, for districts. And the day before, I lost the 800. And it was because I was too impatient and I went out too fast and I got burned in the last half. Mm. And so I got like third place. And he sat me down in the car and he was just like, you're a smarter runner than this. You're more talented than that. Mm. You need to be patient. Camp behind the people who want to go out like you did today Mm. and be patient and burn them in the last 200. Mm. And so I listened to him. It was like the first time I really listened to him. And in the mile, um, I just camped behind two guys and drafted on them the entire race. In the last 200, I burned them and won the race. Wow. And I think it was this full circle moment for him where he was like, wow, he actually listened to me, you Mm. know, like, and I being like that as a dad now, I'm like, man, to have that experience of your kid actually taking your advice and doing it, you know? Um, this is so much deeper than the film. Um, That's amazing. It's such a visceral dude. memory for wow. me. It's one of the most poignant memories with me and my dad. Um, but to put it in a film like this is really special to me, and I haven't really reflected on that, so I appreciate you digging deeper on that. Of course. Um, but I was just thinking, like, how do I relate this to my life? And you got four boy, four kids. Yeah, four kids. Four kids. And um, yeah, um, two boys. Two boys. The oldest. Um, so I had my oldest act in this film, and uh, it was also just like a really cool full circle moment for me too, seeing him act in this because he crushed it. Like, it <laughs> yeah, was, he did. It was so wild to see him like actually do a great job acting in this. Yeah. Um, and it was weird because it's kind of this meta experience of like we're portraying this thing, but I'm actually having a cool experience filming something with my son. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it it was just this full circle moment of me, you know, being distracted with my phone, not being, not showing up for him. And, and my wife having this tough conversation with me and just being like, you, you need to show up. You need to do, you need to do something. You need to grab a soccer ball, get in the backyard with him, do something. And uh, and so my character goes to the store, gets a pair of shoes, yep. and gifts it to him. And we have this whole sequence in the backyard at Golden Hour, um, and then the Golden Hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great plug. 
so yeah the, the original the way it ends is i have i have the choice to either engage with the notification that came up on my phone mm. or like keep interacting with him and i choose to film him instead and i do what my, do dad, the same my dad did to me that's um, awesome putting the phone up in the trees and ah uh, he's so cute too man that's amazing so yeah i mean the the response was just so cool and to experience it with these guys because we were the crew that made it happen along with my editor and and um employee i love, love this comment your iphone pan up to the tree as you watch your son in real time yeah. to match exactly how your father filmed you beautifully done incredibly warm piece eric continue to inspire us and much love man I'm weeping, like ugly crying at work, this other guy says. Man, as a dad of two boys, this hits so hard. You just made hundreds of us dads cry at work today. Great work, man. These are some really wonderful comments. Um, And yeah, I said the same thing because I've... I'm sorry I didn't respond to yours. (laughs) It's fine. It's totally fine, dude. (laughs) No, um, gosh, you've been kind of busy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't respond to everybody either. Um, yeah, as a as a father myself of two boys, like I can, it just really hit me home. It hit home with me as well, and I'm blessed to have a, a really great relationship with my dad um, as well. So just yeah, it's there's something really powerful about that. My dad is actually a filmmaker. He's a director. He does documentaries. Uh-huh. He had a film out last year actually called Show Me the Father with that he did. Uh, the Kendrick Brothers produced it and. It was literally about fatherhood and like, uh, so all of this is very, you know, big in my life personally. So it totally spoke to me. Um, his whole film is about specifically like the importance of, of fathers and, um, there's some incredible stories in it. Um, go check it out. It's Mm. on uh, Amazon prime. I think, I don't know, but can you like explain to the audience why film photography number one and then why Leica? And then, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I've only been shooting film seriously for two years now. And the Leica M6 that I own, I picked up 14 months ago. So it's still relatively new to me. But as I got further into film, one of the things that I recognized pretty early on was the experience of shooting film. Mm -hmm. And the cameras that you shoot on have a very large part in what the experience looks like. And so I think one, I had the benefit of having a friend, Eric, who shot on an M6 for years and years. And so I was around it for the longest time, mm-hmm. but never saw it as a camera that I wanted to own until I started shooting film. So for mm-hmm. me, it really started with the Pentax 645N mm-hmm. point and shoot film cameras. And it was inevitable at that point to get an M6. Yeah. It was just, like, and I got it, I think at a good price before um, it got even more popular. Yeah, I feel like COVID made it even wilder. 100%. 100%. So I think I got it still when it was a decent price. <laughs> My wife doesn't know, but it was a, it was a decent <laughs> price. Um, but yeah, I mean, the user experience, I, the camera truly is, there's so much popularity around it for good reason. Like mm-hmm. the user experience, the build quality, um, just like the internal light meter, everything is wonderful. So for me, at least as far as being an M6 owner, I think, um, yeah, like people can say like, oh, you own like M6. That's so like, I'm like, yeah, because it's a great camera. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, I love it. Um, but it, it That's why does, they're making it again. <laughs> yes, exa- 100%. Um, but it just, it's a camera that I love shooting on. And I'm a huge believer in using gear that gets you excited to use it. 
So yes. for me at least with film, kind of back to like your your post about Sony's. I know, right? That's my they're not sexy. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I think all of us like we just love It doesn't mean the pictures you <laughs> take with a Sony can't be sexy. In fact, yes. I love their their G Master lenses are amazing. Yes, fantastic. I'm jealous of them. Yes. I wish Canon RF had all the lenses that Sony had. Yeah. <laughs> but film, we all shoot film. And I think that a large part of the shapings of our career thus far um film has been a large part of that so mm. at least for steven and i this year has been a, a a big year of shooting film and i think we recognize not only the art in shooting film but what it does for a photographer and just like the creative approach and it requires so much more patience than just shooting mm-hmm. five thousand photos on your digital yeah. camera and then editing them an hour later totally. it just, just doesn't work that way um and so as far as like yeah shooting leica or film just any film really yeah your gateway can be whatever it is yeah but inevitably if you get into it you're going to buy a leica so <laughs> no i th- i think uh so i i own a phone called the light phone are you familiar with that phone yeah. it's like a it's like an e-paper display and um i have a really nice setup i'm using my iphone right now because i used it to have my gps here but my workflow is it's a different phone number altogether so it's a different Mm -hmm. sim verizon has a great deal it's only ten dollars extra a month to have that as like an additional phone number and so as soon as five o'clock hits i put my phone into driving mode which automatically replies to my favorites list Mm -hmm. and it says dave is off his iphone if you need him call him on his dumb phone (laughs) nice and so i put my iphone in a drawer and then i pick up my dumb phone and the only people who have that number are like my family and friends like really just my family like Mm -hmm. my wife my parents my brother and that's it like really (laughs) and so it's kind of an emergency device and i can't tell you how many times like when i'm coming off of the iphone i am just like sitting at the dinner table with my family and I, um, there's like a lull and there's like a moment, like an urge where I want to just start scrolling. And, and then I think like, I can't, <laughs> and it's like wonderful. And, um, the weekend for me is all light phone. So I never, I, I put the phone away on Friday, uh, you know, at five o'clock mm. and I don't touch my iPhone till Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'm all dumb phone all weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such a great refresh every single week now. Um, and I'm actually going to Japan in three weeks. I'm nice. really excited about that. And I think the title, I'm going to make a, a YouTube video called I Didn't Use a Smartphone. Maybe you guys can help me with, with a title. But it's, uh, I, I didn't, I went to, I went across the world without a smartphone is yeah. like the, the idea. Mm. So basically it's like, I'm going to get like paper maps. Oh, wow. I'm going to like make sure I prep, you know, and, and wow. have everything in order on paper. And then I'll have the the dumb phone with me as my only phone. So I'm going to go to Japan, which is like this great juxtaposition of contrast of like the most technologically advanced city in the world with this dumb phone. And so I want to sort of tell the story of like our reliance on these smartphones and the addiction we have. Um, You know, if I've struggled with addiction to pornography and like all sorts of, you know, just addiction to uh, social media. Uh, because of because of the phone, you know, just mm-hmm. having access at all times, and so for me personally, with my personality, going to that is so crucial. And some people are like, why don't you just use the the new um, focus modes that you can, you know, you could go into like a home focus mode that mm-hmm. turns off Instagram or whatever. 
And I'm like, I don't have the, I, unfortunately, I don't have the self-control to do that. I'm saying all this to say, I feel like film photography as professionals, all four of us here professionally make video mm-hmm. and these cameras that we use are like workhorses that have buttons everywhere and like do everything. Um, and that goes for all camera companies, Sony, Canon, whatever. And, uh, yes, I just acknowledge that the only two relevant companies to mention are Canon and Sony. Hate me, Blackmagic users. Uh, (laughs) Fuji over here, like, (laughs) Panasonic. Oh, um, no, I'm just joking. All cameras are created equal in the eyes of God. Um, (laughs) but I feel like film photography in a way is kind of what I'm saying with the smartphone, dumb phone analogy. It's like, it's the purest form of the art. It like, I love the chemical process of it. The the fact that it is a physical, tangible, uh, image. It's not ones and zeros. It's, it's truly like, Mm. it's a painting. It's a, it's a physical, you know, photography painting. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's all superficial and whatever, but like as artists, I think it, we can be that in some ways and like it's it's important to pick the the brush, the paintbrush that that helps us tell our story best and mm-hmm. I can totally see why you you all three love film. I think there is something to be said about film versus digital and the fact that film is inherently limitating mm-hmm. and I think um limitations really enhance creativity yeah in a lot of ways um so i i think that the limitations really will uh, allow people to i think be more decisive in the things that they create instead of having an sd card that can hold eight thousand photos yeah you know you have you have a roll of 120 film or 35 millimeter film that's like 16 mm-hmm. to 36 photos total yeah and also it's it's not like it's not uncommon that it's not unheard of that the, you know, film is expensive right now. Yeah. Um, so with every, every time you press the shutter, you're aware of the fact that you're spending money mm-hmm. on that photo and it's not, uh, <laughs> although um, Gene took like six photos yeah. of us just sitting here. So right. yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, uh, this I said, guy. yeah, it'd be a funny, like kind of pickup line. Like, Ooh, <laughs> she shoots film like digital. <laughs> she burns through those shots. <laughs> she got money. <laughs> But no, there, there's something I think really beautiful about those limitations. Totally, and, uh, and I think it brings out the best in a lot of artists. We hear we hear that from you know f- filmmakers uh, like Christopher Nolan and yeah. Tarantino and the people who are fortunate enough to actually shoot on film for motion pictures. Mm-hmm. I think if if film for like camera video cameras were more attainable, um, we we would. I, I feel like like imagine how if it were as easy as it is to shoot on a on a thirty five millimeter still camera, yeah, and affordable in that way. If it was that much money and it was that easy to shoot video film, I feel like a lot more of us would totally. Um, but it's like wildly that's <laughs> expensive, even, even more inaccessible. It's <laughs> yeah. even more inaccessible. Yeah. In fact, I was looking into um, doing a video. Um, titled i made my grandma hollywood star and so like i ask her what her favorite movie is and then we like go recreate that scene uh mm-hmm. and then we shoot it all on film because it would be a movie from like the 40s or whatever and uh i looked into the pricing on it's like ten thousand dollars just for like 10 minutes of a 35 millimeter yeah and that's you know not including you know somebody that knows how to use it so (laughs) and all that so it's uh pretty expensive yeah um so i'm 
looking for a sponsor music bed if uh <laughs> if you find any interest in that music bed um please uh reach out to me and tell me to make a short film i would love to do it on film specifically on yeah. film unlike eric i shoot on film <laughs> on my youtube videos <laughs> Exclusively. Exclusively. Yeah. MKBH2 shoots 8K red on yeah. his channel. We shoot 35 millimeter <laughs> film on our channel. <laughs> That's what this is right now. In fact, <laughs> if you didn't notice the noise, the, the grain in this image, it's not from Tropic Color. It is real 35 millimeter. And that's color with a O U R. By the way, it's British. Eric, I would love to talk about YouTube. Because I am a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, you mind picking up another beer for me? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. We're going to make it 19% now. You're sitting at 150. Yeah. <laughs> 150. Yeah. Uh, 150,000 subscribers. You've been at it for a while. Um, one of my favorite videos that I don't know if it would be considered your breakout, but it's definitely one that I saw, I think may have been my first, was the every YouTuber ever yeah. video. Yeah. Um, I've shown it to a lot of my friends, um, because we make poke fun at ourselves and, um, and I'm like, have you seen this video? And, uh, so I'm going to play it while we, while we talk about it. Every YouTuber ever. So this video has 2 million views on it. Does it have 2 million? Almost (laughs) 1.9. The thing that I love about it is. It's so relatable for all of us. I say us as the filmmaking YouTuber crowd because this is totally how all of us <laughs> function. It's like you've got the Aperture 300D, you've got the C200, you're shooting raw, and then you're swinging the mic. <laughs> all right, I just got to let it play out. Turn on the light. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the channel. Today, we're talking about why gear doesn't matter. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's so simple. Yeah. It's 50 seconds. (laughs) No, I had the idea. I had the idea, I think, the day before. And I jumped in the studio. I was like, Mike, can you help me film this thing today? (laughs) You lost it. Yeah. Couldn't hold it together. Yeah, we shot it in like an hour and a half. I edited it in an hour and posted it. And it just immediately went crazy. It was the perfect timing because I think it was really at the height of this kind of... Yeah. Like, a lot of people were using that as a title of, like, why gear doesn't matter. Yeah. But then ironically shooting on, like, a C200 or, you know, C500 Mark II. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's... It's art, dude. This was... That that was pure art is what that was. (laughs) It's a commentary on on the industry. Yeah. Um, it's your top video. Number two is not a single filmmaker ever. Easy meme. rig. Yeah. Another meme. Um, but obviously that's not like your <laughs> whole channel is not just a bunch of filmmaking memes. Yeah. Um, tell me about just like your YouTube journey. I'm curious to hear the story. I mean, I'm looking at another one here. Church clap 10 years ago. Oh man. What is yeah, this? I've got, I've made that private and then public and then private and public. Is this a parody? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like a comedy. Yeah, KB came out with a new album 10 years ago. Me and my KB. buddy Adam. Dude, the Toms. And me and my buddy Adam, uh, he was a KB fan. I didn't even... I. He was like, yeah, let's listen to the album. So we heard this song. And we were going to like... Get some moves, bro. 
Oh gosh, it's embarrassing. Okay. Uh, we we won't watch that anymore. But uh, yeah, we we were gonna just leave a video on my wife's Facebook wall. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She's my girlfriend at that time, and Facebook just wasn't working. Like it, the video just was not working on my laptop. Oh okay. And so I was like, you know, I got five D two. So we went out to the street. Heck yeah. And we shot in thirty frames per second. <laughs> Before and, the twenty four p update, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't even. I didn't even know what that was back then. <clears throat> well, five D didn't ship with twenty four. It shipped with thirty, really? and then it had a firmware update later. Uh, that might have been why. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we just they shot saw that. church collapse. Well, like, I think people just thought that it was the official. By the way, video. <laughs> by the way, we uh, Gene and Stephen are, are eating pop tarts right now. That's my fault. Hey, would you like some? I <laughs> am fasting. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> the, the um, count, um hang on beer doesn't count we all know that yeah so <laughs> b- back then that wasn't the but, t- <laughs> by the way yeah I, th- I guess that was an inside joke pre-podcast <laughs> i have started like doing intermittent fasting for a week and i like was like hyped i'm like hyped about it because i saw a podcast that talked all about it with like a scientist, you know, so it's, and you're going to live longer now. I'm going to live longer. Cause you did yes. a week of, fasting. and they were, and then, and then of course they're like, Oh wow, that's awesome, bro. How long have you been doing it? Like uh, a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm stoked about it. Follow yeah. up with me in a month. See if I <laughs> if, if, if it like, sticks. You guys got me on pop tarts. Yeah, oops, <laughs> I eat pop tarts every night. night. <laughs> hey, man. Tell, so no, seriously, tell me about the YouTube channel because um, you're obviously a filmmaker, photographer. Like you, you make money with, I would assume, client work and other mm-hmm. things at least throughout the years. Mm-hmm. When did you like start taking YouTube seriously, if you want to call it that? Yeah, in 2018, I started. What Actually, was the inspiration for you? So my my friends at Mango Street, Daniel and Rachel. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with them. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, they used to live in Chicago. Then they moved to LA. Now they're back in the oh, cool. Chicago suburbs. Um, I went to a random Instagram meetup and I had been following both of them. Kind of didn't realize they were both, you know, Instagram suggested users. And so I followed them naturally. Oh man, and, old school. Yeah. yeah. Suggested users. Yeah. So funny enough, my buddy John Stouffer was one of the like sponsors of this event and I didn't really know him either. Uh, so I just kind of met these people at this event. Daniel was flying a drone at the top of a, a rooftop mm-hmm. um, in Pilsen, Chicago. And uh, I was kind of hovering over his shoulder. I'd never seen a drone in real life. No pun intended. What? You oh, said hovering. You said hovering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was just kind of fanboying because he had a drone. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, wedding season, he was like, hey, uh, we booked a wedding in Thailand. Rachel has severe food allergies, so it's impossible for her to go there. Like, it'll just, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to second shoot with me? Um, so I was in that phase of my career. I was like, Heck one yeah. million percent yes. Full, like, watching Casey Neistat, all the early YouTube channels and. Um, was like, you know what? This is a crazy big event. You're I'm watching gonna, Peter McCannon? Yeah. Gonna vlog it, you know. So I did. Nice. Um, it was my first time to LA. Is that on here? Uh, yeah, it's way earlier. Uh, it was my first time to LA and really nostalgic trip. Daniel and I went over to Hong Kong for like three days, three, four days, and then jumped over to Thailand. Mm. So I made vlogs the whole trip. Cool. And that 
buddy John Stouffer, who's he's a big interior photographer. He watched some of those, took me out to lunch, and was like, "Man, this is really cool what you're doing." And to have that, <laughs> this is me running actually in Thailand on the beach. Yeah, um, it's a stupid beginning. Daniel, yeah, freaking Thailand. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but uh, cool. Just trying to start to make stuff. Uh, it was just for fun, you know, didn't think anything of it really. And did you have a past of like just shooting weddings and yeah, freelance stuff? Yeah. I started shooting weddings back in college, 2011 uh-huh. and, uh, you know, junior high, high school made tons of dumb. <clears throat> so watching videos. Casey Neistat, you're like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you know, copycatting a lot of things he did, all that stuff. And, uh, the, th- the, the secret sauce with Casey Neistat that a lot of people like myself, underestimated is his incredible first off charisma Mm -hmm. he's a he's a rock star like Mm -hmm. just naturally yep so on camera like you can't you can't like just become that so he has that like natural gift and then he's also an incredible storyteller Mm -hmm. so like somehow it's masked with this like handheld diy filmmaking thing and so as a filmmaker you're like oh i can do that i can do that but then if you peel back the layers and look at like how like genius he is it's it's almost impossible to like recreate and also new york i think he's recently even discovered that like and he's talked about it in his uh that last podcast with i forget what it was but i need to watch that yeah it was the title was uh this guy's relentless or something Mm -hmm. a great podcast i listened to it the whole thing it was awesome and he talked about that he's like i underestimated how much of a character new york was for those vlogs because it's like a very controlled environment but Mm -hmm. anyways all that to say like yeah, it was still super inspiring for a lot of us filmmakers to get on youtube yeah because at that point we just started creative club and I think we were like right around that era. And Daniel, Daniel and Rachel came back to Chicago for Christmas that year. I think it was Christmas of 2017. Mm-hmm. I remember we're driving through Evanston and Daniel's driving. Rachel's in the passenger seat. And she just like turns back to me. And she's just like, you should, you should start a channel. Heck yeah. Like, you should do it. And I'm like, nah, I'm way too busy. I shoot like 30 weddings a year. There's no way I have two kids. Like there's no shot. She's like, nah, you should just do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at that point, I was like posting on Facebook groups some of my photos, and they mm-hmm. were they were like really well received. I was shooting with a tilt shift. Did you I post was, on Vimeo ever? Yeah, oh yeah. Do you have a staff pick or anything? No, like that? no, no, no. Did you get into the Vimeo scene? No, or I was not into that at all. But I was into Facebook wedding, and looks like film was a huge one. Nice for me. And I would post uh, yeah, Visco presets. I would post. I w- exactly. I would post like creative tilt shift portraits or cool. double exposures and a lot of people like it felt like i was starting to become like that guy are you who, talking about photography yeah okay in the wedding photo scene and portrait scene and people really are you a photographer first yes oh, well I didn't know not that. really i don't know i'm both a little bit of both yeah really started with video but didn't really understand video until four or five years ago okay um so yeah i started really getting a lot of steam with that and people kind of pumping me up like these are really good really cool so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll make a few tutorials on how I create images like this. Mm. And so like if you if you go back to like the most popular videos, if you go to the popular tab, mm-hmm. like the um Brenizer method and double exposure, uh like those videos started to really pop off. Mm. Um just sharing the techniques I would use for creative portraiture 
people were super nice. interested with those and they hit the early algorithm you know you back Bo- in those youtube Bo- days. boca pano yeah and i guess maybe a little bit of facebook helped with that too i guess yeah, I, would sh- d- I would share these videos in those groups and they would get shared like crazy and they would get picked up by f stoppers and petapixel and yeah. all these websites i would submit them to those places mm-hmm. and uh yeah so those videos really popped off early Deluxe. on how to make a double exposure in camera yeah nice so, hat <laughs> i like that um but then uh yeah so that kind of kick-started it really gave me the incentive to to go after it more i was like mm. oh, oh wow well, these are pretty that's, you know, clearly people are resonating with this. I need to keep going. And I started, I mean, my professional career, I started as a, a teacher. I was in a, really? a public school and I taught for three years. So I was like, oh, well, I can use all my teaching skills to That's amazing. teach photo and video. Do you see yourself as a YouTuber? Like when you talk to people or do you call yourself a filmmaker? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard because... It didn't feel like my channel was that big pre-COVID and then I wasn't around people for so long. And then, I, you know, now that we've been getting back into social events and stuff, I'm having to, you know, people are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, I started as a, you know, I've started, I still am a wedding photographer and filmmaker, but, and then I never know really how to, f- like, it just feels so unrelatable. I don't know mm-hmm. if that. I'm a youtuber i'd said you know I, the thing that your kid wants to be yeah. that's me <laughs> i said it the, i said it the other day to someone and they were like oh cool yeah and i was like i don't like having this conversation yeah you know and like because you probably just assume really weird things so i don't know i try to i try to just keep it vague i kind of yeah. just like oh i'm a photographer and filmmaker I think I heard on um, Colin and Samir's podcast recently that they were talking about like there was a statistic that came out that there's like 3 million creators on YouTube that make over six figures. So like it's becoming a real career. (laughs) I'm in a weird place now where I'm like, for the longest time I made a lot of educational based stuff around wedding photography and wedding filmmaking and I started to, you know, slowly sprinkle in finance and slowly sprinkle in more creative things like music and just like things here and there. Mm-hmm. And my business is so diversified at this point where I'm just not reliant on YouTube. So that's wonderful. There's just all these sources and streams of income coming in from multitude yeah. of areas and, you know, like... I just look at YouTube now and I'm like, this is just a vehicle of my creativity now. And like kind of, yeah, I'll have sponsored videos here and there, but it's, it's really just a place where I'm like, what I'm excited about is what I'm going to make. And I think that's going to continue to drive what I do in the future. So yeah, it's, uh, I think what I was getting at, what I was, why I brought up the Kinetika thing was cause like once I got into it, I realized that there is a true, like crazy industry Mm -hmm. of this YouTube thing. And I started meeting these guys, you know, like Armando Fiera yeah. and uh, Joshio and Gene. And, you know, I ended up moving to L.A. and kind of hanging out with all those L.A. guys yep. and saying, like, you make how much? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. When I was a freelance shooter, my day rate, like, if I was lucky, was seven fifty. Yeah. you know, was like that, that would be wonderful to make seven fifty a day. And you're telling me that, like, 
I can actually have a career path that like is a snowball effect of more money. Like as you Mm -hmm. go on, not that like we do it for money, but it was just wild that I discovered that, wait a minute, YouTube is still sort of unknown to a lot of people in our kind of niche of filmmakers. Um, It's almost even still to this day, a little like frowned upon like, Oh, you're a YouTuber. Yeah. Come on, give me a break. You know? Um, I've I personally have gotten that all the time. You have beautiful fonts, so you probably don't get that as much as I did. Stevens, you yeah, know, I'd film beautiful fonts. By the way, what is your main font? Oh, do you want to give it away? There's, oh, I don't care. There's Carter's display. Everyone asks Carter's display. There's Faruka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved this one. There was a lot of it in this one. Uh, that one is. What is that one? The, the swirly one. Take your wedding photo business full time. Well, I can't. I never remember the newest video. title of that one. Or in the, the Chicago loft is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. that's the the one that I. Don't know. It's the swirly one. There's some yeah. great. Again, um, like when you were talking. What it was is it? This one. It's no. What uh, is it? I can't remember right now. You got the SM7B in that too. Oh. This mic no, is the goat. It is. It's great. It'll come back to me. Yeah. There's car display. Faruka. Uh, regards. Nice. Regards. regards regular yeah it's that one <laughs> it's very good yeah. um those are the only three i use <clears throat> literally so, and maybe gotham sometimes yeah gotham is a classic i started using that um i bought helvetica now which is like the newer helvetica mm-hmm. or whatever because like ryan trahan uses helvetica for everything i was like <laughs> i want to be like ryan trahan <laughs> but then i was like it doesn't work for our niche because we're using cinema cameras yeah. and like the basic font with like an actual good shot doesn't look right, mm-hmm. um, but his stuff is shot on an iPhone and like right. really gritty. Yeah, and so like it's so it stylistically works. perfect for his um, yep. thing. And it's 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 clearly if I don't know if you guys are from you familiar with Ryan Trahan. Oh, yeah. Yep, he like obviously has a design sense, be- but but the beautiful thing about it is like I show it to my wife and she'd be like, "What? It just looks normal." I'm like, "Exactly." Yeah. <laughs> Like he's clearly a genius with his uh, with his stuff. Absolute um, genius. He spoke at. I mean, look how perfect his thumbnails are. I know. They planned all those on the Penny series. Yeah, the Penny series. First he did thirty days across America. He made all thirty Beforehand. of his thumbnails before he yeah. executed um, the the which entire. Thing, doesn't make any sense. Which is brilliant. I don't understand how. Well, he he kind of knew what where he was going to go he, with each thing. Well, he knew what like he could do to make money, yeah. so he would start each day looking at his Dropbox of like all the thumbnails, and he's like, "What am I going to do today?" He's like, oh, "I'll just mow the lawn today. Mm-hmm. I'll use that as my thumbnail." Brilliant idea, by the way. He he kind of made YouTube feel alive during that series. Yeah, I agree. It was the Casey Neistat era all over again, yep. with a new twist. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah, his really interview cool. with Colin and Smear was awesome. Yes, it's yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. And he did one with uh, Hayden Hillier Smith mm. on the editor yes. podcast or editing podcast. Yeah, that nice. one was really good with his editor. Um, one of my favorite things. Of- who, wait, who's Ryan Levitt, right? He's a runner, his editor, which I followed his running stuff before. Well, Ryan's a-, a runner, too. Yeah, I know. It was a really weird crossover for me. I was like, oh, cool. Whoa. Because Ryan Levitt's a very talented runner. He really? like, his editor? almost qualified for the Olympic trials. No way. Yeah. He's very fast. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I saw, I, I went to Vid Summit this year mm-hmm. in LA. It was like, it's kind of like the VidCon of like YouTuber world. I mean, that doesn't make any sense because VidCon is for YouTubers. <laughs> but Vid Summit is like just really for people who are actually, you know, in the industry. And he was the opening uh, act, if you will. He, he he gave his lecture and 
I love his philosophy. He's so Ryan Trahan is he's a he's a Christian and he really wants to have uh, redemptive story telling to mm-hmm. every piece that he does every single video he does so whether it's a silly little thing here or there he's always looking for little nuggets of like i'm gonna start at this state you know of i'm striving for this thing that is ultimately not going to fulfill me or whatever and then at the end i need to have some sort of redemption to that mm-hmm. where i learn a lesson where you know essentially the audience will come away feeling filled up yeah. you know he said it, it wasn't until he said he said it wasn't until I switched my thought process to every video I make is a I want to s- think of as a gift to my audience. Mm-hmm. He's like it wasn't until he did that that he just started blowing up. He's like if you think of every video as a gift, like whether they like it or not, like you shouldn't feel bad about it because you're just giving somebody something. Yeah. So whether it gets a million views or a thousand views or twenty thousand views, the views don't matter because like as an artist you made this thing and you're giving it to them as a gift for mm-hmm. free and how they accept it is how they accept it and mm-hmm. i love that philosophy of just like removing yourself from the performance of the video i think as youtubers we can get wrapped up in the one out of ten you know that youtube studio will tell you like this perf- this is performing poorly compared to your last 10 videos it's like thanks youtube i appreciate that mm-hmm. um or the one out of ten, they like literally have a confetti, confetti. animation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well done. It's like we're we're basically you know training you to do this over and over again for our benefit, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like the Mr. Beast kind of world of YouTube right now. Uh, conflicted. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I watch every Mr. Beast video. Yeah, me too. Everyone. And I, they're getting better. I think he's... Yeah. Um, like, I watched uh, Last to Take Hand off of Jet wins yeah. it or whatever. Same. And uh, it was it was good video. He actually said recently he's had to dial down the, the awards because people don't believe it's tr- it's real. Right. So, like... And then he's also started working with YouTubers instead of random people because YouTubers are just better performers. Yeah. So, like... This last video was all the big British creators, I guess. Yeah, I, it is. It's wild. It's wildly entertaining. It's strategic. It's cool. It's cool to see businesses. It's cool to see Beast Burger. It's he made cool fifty-six see- million dollars last year. Who knows what he made this year? We're almost at the end of this year. Like, it's cool to see him do all these separate th- entities. That's really inspiring to me as an entrepreneur and that side of of my work and my life. But. Everybody trying to be him is what where I get frustrated. It's just like you can you can take bits and pieces of things that people do, but um, direct copycatting or just like exclusively trying to do the strategies he does just to just to blow up or whatever. Like, there's got to be more purpose and intentionality and philosophy in the work that you do. Yeah. Um, and if you are if you are relying on your business model, just um, taking the advice of really successful people mm-hmm. and not really understanding a foundation or core philosophy of your own business and your purpose, similar to what Ryan's talking about. I think that's what makes him very profound. So yeah. what made his interview with Colin Smear super profound. When I heard that, it was like, this is really different than it was super inspiring. Like if you don't, if you don't have core principles like that, I think it's going to be really hard for, for you to find sustainability. Cause a lot of times you're not going to get the same success as Mr. Beast. So like what, I mean, what do you, 
really pursuing in, in the long run in the long yeah. haul. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people struggle because that's where it's you see tons of YouTubers burn out and then yep. go through the cycle of like sit down, talk to camera for 10 minutes, you know, have that video like, here, guys, this is why I haven't been posting. Blah, blah. You know, <laughs> people don't really want to hear that. You know, they, they're either coming to YouTube for entertainment or education. Sure. Really, at the end of the day. And so it's like, if you want to put stuff out there, then they... It yeah, it's, either, get, it's getting late. <laughs> it either needs to be... He looked at his phone. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost midnight. <laughs> it either needs to be education or entertainment. So, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm indifferent to YouTube these days. Like, I'll make stuff when I want to make stuff. <laughs> and I'll do my obligations when I have to. And yeah. otherwise, I'm not going to care about it all that much. Like, yeah. I'm definitely obsessive about analytics too like i'll check things daily for sure um i'm interested and excited about how things grow and perform but i don't really stake my whole business and life and worth on the yeah. performance of that stuff and you've got multiple streams of income with with the course with yeah. your freelance stuff with the doc that's coming I'm out surrounded by incredible people where like if everything if everything burned to the ground doesn't matter i still have work from you know my friends yeah, exactly. who are doing things and they can hire me like there's yeah there's so many safeguards in my life where it's it is a constant battle of psychologically you can get into a dark place where you're like i'm failing everything's gonna fall to pieces in all reality you just have to like talk to people talk to my my wife talk to my friends yeah and come back to reality and be like this is not the end of the world. <laughs> it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think even your last film really puts those things in perspective. Yeah. What actually sure. matters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's almost midnight. You guys have to wake up at like five. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like we could talk for hours, but, uh, we should probably bring it to a close. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the last closing thoughts, um, any like words of inspiration that you would want to say to uh, up and coming filmmakers who who look up to you, who do you know freelance stuff, who do maybe even aspire to do YouTube stuff? Any mistakes that you've learned along the way that you would want to share? And I'd love for all three of you to yeah. to share that don't, as well. Don't try to do too much all at once. Like take take things one step at a time. Grow a foundation. Uh, I've I've had a financial advisor talk to me about the concept of having a golden goose. If you have a financial golden goose, like don't abandon that thing. If you find success in one thing, and for me, when I started, it was wedding photography, wedding mm -hmm. filmmaking, something that made me thousands of dollars every weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and like I'm gonna stick on this for a while mm -hmm. because that is a really really good revenue stream and i didn't even though like at times I, I didn't want to do it i kept it i kept sustaining it and finding ways to make it sustainable mm -hmm. by having associates shooting less and charging more um but never like and still to this day i'm still shooting weddings and i do really enjoy it with the philosophy that i have mm -hmm. but that allows me to now have continual education in that space Mm -hmm. um, to relate to those people in that industry um, and to continue to diversify off of that foundation. And so uh, my advice is like, don't try to do five things right away. Try to do one thing really well, find success in it. Once you find a sustainable amount of success where you have steady income doing it, branch out into the next thing and test it. Yeah, It might be risky to do it, but you have that foundation, the golden goose that you've, you know, you're relying on. Um, 
And then if you find success in that second thing, find how to make that thing sustainable, move to the next thing. And, you know, I've been doing that for 10 years now and I, you know, I have a dozen sources of income and I don't feel overwhelmed because mm. of the the systems I put into place and longevity and sustainability of every single aspect of those stair-stepping moves. Um, so a lot of that takes self-awareness too. Like mm. really look at yourself in the mirror and um, compare yourself to others in a healthy way, not in a way that is going to make you feel bad about yourself. Mm. But like, how can I do what they're doing or similar to what they're doing? Or how can I come alongside them, help them or ask them how they do that? Um, apply it to your own life and keep doing those stair-stepping moves um, or just have a simple life and not do that. Mm-hmm. Like have a salary paying job and live a simple life and be totally. okay with that. Like I'm not that person. That's not my personality. And I found success in doing the stair-stepping thing. There's so many people that I'm so jealous of a lot of times that just have a very simple life Yeah, and make eight, <laughs> you know, 70 grand a year and like don't spend a ton of money on stuff and aren't frivolous on their, you know, their travel or whatever. And, yeah, I mean, they're like, yeah, I don't know. No, I I agree. I, my wife sometimes I'll I'll tell her like, you would have been better off just marrying like a banker, yeah. honestly. <laughs> um, a guy who went to his job, hated it, came home, and was thrilled to be home. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, it's hard for me to turn off my brain. Uh, I I have to get a dumb phone to turn it off, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Gene. I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, a couple things that come to mind for me. One, um, Eric started his YouTube channel way before we did. And I remember being in the studio for years. And Eric's like, you guys gotta, you guys have to do this. You have to do this. And we're like, what are you talking about? We're shooting weddings right now. Why would we make YouTube videos for like nothing? And yeah, I think fast forwarding all these years and Stephen and I starting channels as well. The realization of just starting is a big step. And then once you start just being consistent and I think like, what's your channel, Gene? It's just Gene Yoon. Um, I think Eric and I make a lot of similar content as far as like filmmaking, photography, film photography, education. And um, yeah, I think starting is half the battle. Boom, baby. You got a sub. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, sir. Awesome. Everybody check it out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Your BTS video. I watched that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun to make. Uh, But I think the other thing is surrounding yourself with people who um, will will spur you forward. And I think that's the thing that I'm so fortunate to have with these guys. Not only with the stuff that we've made for Joe this year as far as as the documentary, but um, YouTube and filmmaking and just wedding stuff. Just finding people who are like-minded, who are creative, who hold you accountable, Mm. I think is a very big thing. And, you know, I tell people outside of our niche, outside of our world of photography or filmmaking, there's no way that my life, my career would look this way right now um, without the people around me in the studio with these guys. And so I think finding people who to do alongside is a a big thing. That's really helped me a lot. So absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I, I couldn't do it either without Connor and Malachi, the guys that are working with me. So uh, Steven, what's your channel? Uh, similar to Gene, it's just my name, Steven Schultz, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Uh, uh, we'll link all these in the show notes <laughs> and in the description of the video. Yeah, I watched this video yeah. two days ago, oh, the new like M6. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, that, that one popped up on my 
homepage. Hey, that's a, I love to hear that. That's that's very cool. That's, Dude, heck that yeah. was a fun one. So, heck yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, similar. To, Is that your house? Uh, I wish it's Eric's condo. Oh, I nice. broke I was into like, it. I was like, it looks like an Airbnb or something. The same, the same day I did my most recent video, we both shot. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, cool. You got like a you got like a Maddie and Pete kind of situation here. Maddie, yeah. we got the Maddie and the Chris, yeah. the Chris Howe and the yeah. Maddie of the Peter McKinnon <laughs> situation. Hey, we talked to Chris on we talked to Chris on Rally Caps. Yeah, Chris Dude, Chris is crushing it right now. Yeah. Maddie impression. Do it. Oh wow, this Sony is so incredible. Wow, you should see the megapixels on this sensor. We love you, Maddie. Dude, that is pretty spot on. It's really honestly. good. Wow. <laughs> there's like a slight, yeah. There's a slight accent there yeah, with finish, his yeah. with the finish. Yeah, just a, a sprinkle Beautiful. of finish in there. Yeah, that's wonderful. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Stephen. Um, no, I mean, it's similar to what Gene was talking about uh, as far as starting YouTube and everything. I think recently I've I've been talking with more friends one on one who are interested in kind of breaking into youtube a little bit and i think the, the the big thing for me outside of the power of actually being on youtube is actually the passive benefits of youtube i think the process of creating a video that provides value to people is really powerful and you learn how to be a better communicator a better writer uh, a better editor and ultimately a just a better artist in a lot of ways yeah um that it's kind of outside of the actual like delivered video that gets published online. Uh, and there's a lot of really good ways that you can grow just as a person uh, and as an artist in like multiple disciplines that I think mm-hmm. is really, really valuable that you can take outside of making YouTube videos specifically. You can become a better script writer for a different project. You become a better editor for a project, a better DP for a project and so on and so forth. Um, so I think just the, the habit of making videos consistently, mm-hmm. um, whether that's alone or with a team of people, um, provides mm-hmm. you so, so, so many passive benefits that you can then leverage to grow in other ways yeah. and then use on different projects that are different client projects or passion projects or whatever that is. So I, I think just anyone who is considering and like on the fence of doing it, uh, whether that's out of, uh, of fear because they don't want to hear their own voice while they're editing or talking on camera because it feels scary or whatever it is like just push through that because um, there's a lot of ways that it will benefit you outside of what you may expect and I think that is uh, honestly maybe some of the best areas of growth that comes from putting yourself out there on YouTube. totally yeah wow wonderful way to wrap it up with a bow there Steven <laughs> I, I do want to end on the the documentary note with Joe can you give us any little nuggets of details about that? I mean, obviously you're here shooting it, so we're still in production. Yeah. People who are listening may be excited to, to hear about when this thing is coming out or like just news about it. Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, are you guys talking about it on your social media and stuff or like? Yeah, we've been just hinting at it a whole lot. We really don't want to like, we don't really want to share too much because we don't have everything we haven't edited it yet. Away. <laughs> yeah. We haven't edited anything yet. Um, and a lot of people, th- I think a lot of people think we're crazy for that. But really the pinnacle of the whole thing is his race in two and a half weeks. 
So which we'll, is where uh, Sacramento. Oh wow! So yeah, we're flying six people out, and then other people are just wow. literally showing up and filming for us and with us. And cool, it's gonna be a really really fun event and just <clears throat> just very intense and cool. And but uh, that's the superficial climax of the film. Is like, is he gonna do it or not? Is he gonna go sub two forty or not? And whether he does or not is not going to impact the the weight and power of the message we we share in this film. It can't be like it really mm-hmm. can't be because you can't rely on him actually doing the thing. It's too much pressure for one person. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's much more about like we went we went to Florida in September and revisited his whole childhood and wow. um, went to his hometown of like a thousand people. And um, where's so, he from? Um, from Inglis, Florida. Just wow. tiny little place on the west side of the state. Wow. Uh, we drove two and a half hours. We we drove nine hours that day round trip from St. Augustine all the way down and back. And we, we uh, interviewed his, his high school teammate on the track team in the bleachers at his high school. Like it was, <laughs> it was wild. Um, we, we ran into his father who he hasn't talked to in oh, two wow. years. Um, Just ran into him. We didn't No, We literally like my, my editor, Josh was shooting on 7,200 out the window and, caught footage of him doing work on his property and like and he waved at the camera like crazy stuff wow (laughs) we still don't know if we want to put that in the film honestly like it's a bit dicey um because like yeah that's again like not to get into too much detail on all of that family stuff but all of that is at play in this and on that trip he dissected all of that and he dissected all of it in his book that he came out with this year uh, called The Lay of the Land. And yeah, so I mean, it's going to culminate in that. We're going to do a couple more shoots, one or two more post-race, and then we're going to be just in that editing cave and really just figuring that out and figuring out distribution. And right now we have a plan of releasing it probably summertime of, of 2023. And it's looking like for two to three months we'll be... Uh, streaming it for a dollar to stream um, and having an open tip jar as well to try to that just be a base place to recoup all the money we've put in by the end sure. of this i personally have been bankrolling all of it and will have spent around fifty thousand dollars on production um, there are a few other options of brands coming in to potentially cover that production cost um either for equity uh, in the profit, if we make profit or other things like stock footage or whatever. Sure. Um, Or Leica ads. (laughs) Well, tonight we had dinner with him and we were just talking about um, doing in-person showings. So a rough idea now is to have a Oh, that's great. His fans would love that. Yeah. So we would have a Chicago showing. We would have a, a New York, a Nashville and a West coast, probably LA. That's the rough Sweet. rough idea right now. Count me in for the Nashville one. For sure. Um, <laughs> I'll see yeah, you there. But he's connected to people like he... he Better on, finish that edit. He went on tour with Leon... <laughs> 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 he, he, was a tour, <laughs> he was a tour photographer for Leon Bridges. Um, and so tonight cool. he was just like, oh, we can have an after party and Leon could perform and whatever. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Nice. You know, stuff like that. Um, cool. So, that, I mean, that all that's exciting. Uh, but... Really, we want to have those premieres first, really get the hype going, yeah, and then release it to the public for the dollar download. And then after that, either if if 
Did you do festivals and all that stuff? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Just go straight to VOD? Yeah, because we're going to be distributing a bunch of other digital assets with the film. We're probably going to make a course on how we shot this whole thing, how someone can do their own documentary. The price point we're thinking for that is like only 79 bucks. Just a really approachable price. Nice. To just let people into the fold of like Mm. how this thing is made and how it's possible for other people. But Joel will be selling his book. Um, we'll have merch. We'll probably have a photo book for all the film photography we shot throughout the whole process of the year. Just a lot of fun stuff. It's amazing. This kind of like a, a big kind of screw you to the industry yeah. and like the way that it works because you got you both have your own audience mm-hmm. of people that essentially will fund the the film mm-hmm. through either your course or his stuff. Yep. Like it's an amazing time that we live in as creators to be it's able exciting. to just do this. You know, and in the midst of that some huge place might want to buy yeah. it. So yeah, exactly. that's on the table as well. But Stephen and I were having talks on the way down here. We're like, that number has to be really something we have to be comfortable with and it has to be more than what we would project to make with all these other assets. Yeah, exactly. Because it's actually really powerful what we could potentially make with all these assets exactly. in perpetuity over time forever. Totally. Because after two, three months, we might just make it public. Like yeah. put it on my channel full movie on my channel mm-hmm. but it's just linked to the website for all these other digital assets that people can buy totally um brilliant and for years that would just have passive revenue coming in. i love it so yeah i i lean more towards that i'm yeah. always just kind of a person that says screw you to the system like yeah. i'm gonna do my own thing and carve my own path totally um and i think we're kind of geared that way and the untraditional mm-hmm. approach to a lot of the stuff we do so I love it, dude. Yeah. Everybody go subscribe to Eric's channel and uh, keep notifications on for, <laughs> I guess, summer of uh, yeah. next year or maybe winter when it's public. But go spend that dollar on the VOD and go to the uh, in-person. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yes, you sir. can count me in. I'll have oh. my new M6 <laughs> with me. And because uh, it's actually a beautiful camera, unlike Sony cameras. Uh <laughs> So. Full circle. <laughs> yeah, we started with that. And then we did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to just like close it up with um, like my, it, it is weird. Like it's not weird. It's just like, because I truly love YouTube and just the art of YouTube. Like I, I see like Ryan and I, I want to do what he's doing. So like I have zero ambition of anything outside of YouTube. Like I actually want to be a YouTuber. Mm. So um, I'm inspired to hear all your, like viewpoints on it and i think hopefully people who are listening can can really uh relate to it because there's just so many routes that you can take there's no specific way to go about it um i have a lot of friends who are full-time youtubers and they don't do any client work and they just review cameras and that's it and they make really good money doing it and (laughs) we call each other and we like talk about uh yeah, that camera won't, it, it won't get six figure views on that one, you know, or it's like, you know, like we're thinking about it like a game almost. And it's like, I can just tell you, I, I'm sick of that world with the camera gear stuff. Um, I think it's kind of become a little diluted, to be honest, because there's so many people doing it now. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so now's the time if you're an artist and like you call yourself a filmmaker now's the time to do what eric's doing what you guys are doing like actually making stuff that matters with story i think ryan trahan is a great case study for all of us because he clearly took what is working on youtube with good thumbnails good titles and just good overall story but then applied it in a youtube format and it worked really well 
um, for, for, for Ryan mm-hmm. and he blew up like crazy this year. Um, and then even Mr. Beast in a way, like, I think he's trying to like include more story. I know he's working with Hayden Hillier Smith, who mm-hmm. is very story focused. Um, and he's like, he is trying to add more, but like I've heard interviews with Mr. Beast and he's so scientific that he's like, I don't care about story. That's like a retention killer. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but then Hayden's viewpoint is, but story, good storytelling is good retention. Mm-hmm. So there's like the, the flip of that, like at a certain point as an artist to think like if, if this one piece in the, in the story is crucial to the narrative, like regardless of the retention of the video, like you should keep it in. Cause as an artist, why on earth would you determine what you're going to put in there with like numbers? That's Mm -hmm. stupid. (laughs) So, um, but Hmm. then it's kind of like, well, yes, but what if you flipped it on its head and like came up with stories that fit within the math as well. And so I think we're just going to see a lot of interesting new stuff over the years Mm -hmm that blends this kind of modern YouTube formula that Mr. Beast and Eric and Ryan have figured out uh, with good actual filmmakers too. Like, but th- then again, I-, I think Ryan is a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like I think he is a good filmmaker. Yep. Um, it's intentionally DIY, which mm-hmm. is beautiful in its own way. But anyways, we've been talking for like almost two hours. <laughs> it's midnight. You guys got to wake up super early. Um, and I, my kids are going to wake me up at, uh, 6.30. So we should probably, uh, in this podcast, everybody go check out all their channels linked in the description and in the show notes. Thank you guys, seriously, for doing this. This was awesome. Um, we pretty much did this almost cold. Like I just walked in and we did this. So this was also just a good way to meet you guys. Yeah. And I really appreciate this, uh, fun little podcast. Thanks so for having us. Golden Hour Podcast, the original, um, the, the reason I keep saying that is cause like a really popular comedy podcast changed their name to the golden hour podcast they have like millions of listeners what so uh, hi every new subscriber (laughs) to the show um so yeah just remember where the original golden hour podcast came from um so yeah thanks again guys for being here we will see you next week i'm dave mays this is the golden hour podcast bye-bye